Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman, and with me this week is Joe Lupton. Hey, Joe. Hey, Bruce. So I guess what I'm going to do is I'm going to call a stop to talking about near-term recession risk. I mean, we've been obviously talking <laughs> about how, victory? how much Are we, we declaring did. victory here, Bruce? I, I No, we're not declaring victory. We're just moving okay. on. We're moving on from the fight against recession to the fight against soft landing. At least that's what I'm moving on to. You may, you may want to embrace it. But uh, anyway, I think in that context, I think in some ways the conversation does shift. It shifts from a focus on these near-term issues of whether things can break or not to some issues that are going to take quite a bit longer to resolve in terms of their dynamics, as, as we've both been discussing for a while here. Once inflation starts to make a decent move down, there's going to be an observational equivalence between whether it's moving down to central bank objectives or it's moving down in an incomplete way and it's going to get stuck somewhere on the path. It's going to take some time. And there's a whole set of things, even on the growth side, there's some things like that as well. So uh, let's kind of turn to the to the week with this in mind, which is that we're we're now in some ways debating can we get onto a sustainable soft landing path where central banks may be able to take some of their uh, tightening away, not immediately, but some point down the road? Or are we boiling the frog, so to speak? Are we creating the pressures from uh, restrictive stances, possibly even more central bank tightening that isn't going to do us in right away, but will just do us in sometime in the next 12 or so months? So with that in mind, there's a ton of data to talk about this week. Why don't you just take it off with that brilliant synthesis of what we're thinking about to, to lead you? Well, you, you kind of premised it by like, you know, what path are we on here? And I, I guess I'd say we're on both paths, right? That is the nature of the observational equivalence. You know, if I, if I look at the, the, you know, the marquee global news this week, of course, was the global PMI. You sound like um, an economist, Joe. We're I on know. Both well, paths. I mean, that's the nature of data watching, really. Um, and uh, you know, data, data watching will make economists out of anyone. Uh, you know, I, I think if you look at the PMI reports that came out on uh, on Monday, manufacturing on Thursday, we had the, the uh, all industry. Let's focus on the all industry. I mean, basically, this index is holding in at a level that is consistent with trend-like growth. And that's actually a bit above what our current quarter forecast is. I think if trend is two and a half, PMI might be running a little bit above that. Our forecast is, what is our forecast current quarter like? It's a little bit below two, I think, uh, one nine maybe. Um, so, you two know. And and we just raised the U.S. from 0.5 oh, yeah. to 0.5. Well, that's how you, I guess we were going to get into that part of the conversation. Right. We did raise the U.S. finally. Um, so that maybe I guess we're coming in line with the PMIs, which are holding in at a good level. Now, I do think and I don't want to be that's easy to say. So I'll give it short shrift, but I don't want to mean that that's we're giving it little weight. I think that's an important point. That said, the momentum loss in that survey, I think, is worth noting. In particular, I think the sectoral momentum loss, both services and manufacturing, which we certainly I've been hoping is going to turn around uh, for a couple months now, just isn't happening yet. Services came off. Uh, and, you know, if you extend this this momentum loss, you'd start to get more concern. And then the last thing in the report that I think had had me concerned, and I guess maybe a little more concerned than you, is that the employment index uh, in that survey has come off quite 
sharply. And that was an index that fell sharply last year. That's what raised recession risk as labor market was indeed slowing last year. You had a slower, uh, you know, a slowing in the U.S. labor market. You had concerns around US, uh, euro area falling into recession uh, and recession risks were were a bit more elevated last week. I think that's why we had our year ahead outlook that was a bit more more cautious. That turned around fairly quickly. The PMIs early in the year uh, started to make us feel, you and me, feel better about looking beyond the near term and, and having conviction in our, our view that we were going to avoid a near term recession. The employment PMI bounced back, actual employment bounced back. All that was great. The employment PMI is now coming off. So I think that kind of the, the PMI mix is has a little bit of something for everyone. I, but I think uh, there is some uh, sense of, uh, you know, a little bit of concern there. I take the point that there's a momentum slide in the PMIs that I that I think we have to respect and to pay attention to. I think there's a there's another piece of the PMIs, which is that in some basic sense, the PMIs were driven lower by Western Europe and China. And the dynamics, particularly in manufacturing, looked a heck of a lot better, in, at least in direction, not levels. Levels are still low in terms of what we saw across most of Asia outside of China and the U.S. So I do think in some ways what we're picking up in the PMIs is a world that's still looking okay, a momentum slide that's being dominated by a couple of weak links. Uh, and I think in the context of the I mean, China uh, global, and Western Europe are more than a couple small weak links, right? I, I, mean, I, think I, I agree. I agree. But if in the context of thinking about potential breaks towards recession, I worry less about that, both because of where those countries tend to, to link to the rest of the world, uh, also in terms of um, the way they tend to signal uh, idiosyncratic problems that are not reflecting broader global problems. So I'm not trying I mean, to- Let's it, just say it, what I, you've, you've said on this before, right? And that uh, a global recession is one in which the U.S. is in recession. And if the U.S. Is, doesn't look at all like it's near recession, then I guess we don't have to worry that much. And I think there's some, some truth uh, to that point. I will say that just focusing maybe on the good sector, the part of the story that we've been saying that, that a turn is coming, and some of that was based on the idea that final goods demand is, is holding up and manufacturing is low. Another element of the PMIs that came out was that the investment goods PMI took a, a notable step down. That's an important element in our nowcaster for global investment. So our nowcaster for global investment, was, which was holding up, was one of the things we were holding up as a good thing, took a notable step down and it's tracking a pretty soft 1% gain this quarter. It's based on mm -hmm. one month's data. I don't want to overstate it. We also are seeing some mixed news on retail sales. And so again, it's, it's just, but I think, I think again, Joe, I mean, I, I don't want to minimize the message of the PMIs, but I think when you look at the data flow more broadly and you recognize that U S durables are doing reasonably well, U S second quarter CapEx came in with a big gain uh, if you look at the movements in tech activity, which is starting to move up in Asia, uh, outside of China, what you end up getting here is a message that we have a regional gap here that is a problem. And it is. I will say, I'm just going to keep playing. I, I, I mean, I think you and I, I guess viewers know we always take different sides here, but I mean, tech is improving. But actually, when you look at those, the Korean reports, the Singapore reports, non-tech is, is pulling the numbers down. 
right? And that's, I think, kind of ties into some of the, the CapEx side. So we can focus on the tech because that is an important part of the story here. But non-tech is also an important part. And I, I just think it's, it's a bit more muted and, and choppy still. Even if, even if I'm not, you know, I still think a turn is going to come. If we're not going into a recession, a turn will come. I, I, all I, I'm trying to say here is that around this conversation of pluses and minuses and the data flow, there's nothing to my mind that rises to the level of an existential threat. Yeah. That is the That's basic. Your U.S. Point. economist coming out. Well, it, it, <laughs> there is the US something. U.S. is doing okay. <laughs> but it's not just the U.S. I think there's a good part of the world that is doing okay. And there's a couple of important weak links and they're showing up, I think, in the data, particularly in these surveys. And there's no doubt that I think if we're going to have a problem with growth in the next few months, it's going to be because the euro area slides into recession. And that's a, that's a possibility, which we weren't thinking very seriously about two or three months ago. But I think the idea that um, the U.S. is holding up the idea that there is, I think, some signs of turn happening in Asia, and you can debate that with me. The Also, the other important point, which is that it's the, um, the message from the overall uh, spillover of these um, uh, uh, cross currents to financial markets has been positive. I don't particularly worry about anything going very wrong here. I do not want to argue that we're going to be you know, right about everything. I know we're not going to be right about everything, and we might have a much more delayed and a much more muted turn in the manufacturing sector. That's a distinct possibility, partly because of those drags. But I'm coming back to what I said up front. I don't think we need to sit here and worry about recession risk right now. I think yeah. we have to worry about whether or not um, the global economy can put itself on a sustained path. I think we have to debate. And I think there's a interesting debate here as to how we want to interpret what is looking like a slide in core inflation that's going on here. Um, and I, I actually think yeah. one of the more interesting things that have come up in the latest data flow is something we've been kind of leaving aside as an agnostic piece of the story, which is, is there some possibility of a mana from heaven coming on the supply side with productivity doing better? There is some positive news in the US, not in Europe, by the way, but in the US, that actually is giving some some hope that maybe, you know, you know, you you have a tight labor market, you have wage inflation, but you're also getting good productivity growth. So that can allow both um, the inflation news to stay uh, on the lower side, but perhaps more importantly, and, and certainly we've been focusing on this, the idea is you can get high wage inflation without margin compression. Uh, causing you the same kind of problems we're, that we're, you, we're we're in bizarro world here you're you're speak you're singing the story i've been telling since the end of last year right that no you've been telling the story shock. of margin compression that is accepted on the part of companies that was mostly no, what you're saying no the productivity no, miracle would, wasn't no because one could be a world in which you actually get a supply side revival which is that kind of team transitory view the supply curve shifts out and that's, and I think I use the word manna from heaven, right? This is just inflation coming down, output going up and everything's great. And I totally agree. I think, I mean, it's, it's one report right after a string of two years of contraction, but I think there's a sense that those contractions were just corrections from the overshoot and U.S. is kind of back to kind of maybe solid, uh, solid potential growth here. Um, and yes, the, the Europe story is, is more concerning.
Um, and again, just adding fuel to that part of the conversation you started earlier, which is two months ago, I don't think we were as concerned as we were either on the cyclical growth side or on some of this structural stuff. If we were, it was maybe isolated to the UK, um, but it felt like uh, the rest of Europe was going was gonna to come back here. And that's looking a little more questionable now. Yeah. Uh, I think from the inflation side, you know, the the news is looking better, but I think it's a lot of noise in terms of what the next two or three months are going to deliver. We've got a two-tenth on core for the U.S. Uh, next week, but there's a lot of stuff there with used car prices, with healthcare, with airlines, that you're just going to have to wait a little while before we can kind of see what that is. And that's in some ways. Well, maybe. I mean, I think it, this this payroll report really – you know, if you had a weak payroll report, I think it would have said, we're going to need to wait to the next payroll report. We're going to watch claims. Uh, but well, you're talking about the report, Fed. I'm not talking about the Fed. I'm talking about waiting to get a sense of how how much how much inflation ultimately goes down. I wasn't talking. No, about no, I know. I, I was saying that w when I saw the report today, my immediate reaction was, OK, this checks off the pay, the payroll side of things is going to really laser focus me on the inflation side of things because that's where the, the more resilience you get the more observational equivalence between boiling the frog and goldilocks uh scenarios that the more you need to look at inflation to distinguish between those is inflation coming down enough and that really elevates you know the the the, the cpi reports and next week we'll we'll be getting one of those it's going to be a soft one but i think as you were starting to express there there's enough noise here that you can either accept or say let's wait to the next one on this but i i if what are we looking for like uh two tens six yeah, uh, yeah it's a sub two tens actually yeah, uh after a point one seven so i boy i think if you get that with the, the the payroll report, I mean, this whole kind of cyclical sweet spot we've pushing is going to get a renewed kind of kick for the for the next month here. Uh, yeah, I mean, what it's going to do is pretty much seal the Fed, I think, for pausing on in September. And oh, I um, think it could, it could actually it will promote uh, potential cuts uh, coming early next year. I'm not saying I would call that. I'm saying the perception will be just on today's payroll report. You got that. Right. So well, I'm, the, I'm the not sure you goes... go that far on the payroll report. I look at the payroll report and you're still growing jobs pretty well. There's no real source of uh, concern on that front. Uh, you definitely uh, have cross currents have across inflation. sectors. Yeah, you got wage inflation. You push the unemployment rate. But again, wage tick. inflation with either higher productivity, which kind of offsets that or some margin compression that firms tolerate. I think that still gives you a potential Goldilocks situation. Uh, well, it gives you a potential think, one, but it's going to take a long while to. Oh, to, I, I agree. I mean, you're not going to sit there. You're not going to sit there and ease policy unless that's realized. And realized means over a pretty extended period yeah. of time. So I don't yeah, think. I mean, I guess I'm putting more on my strategist hat, right? That it's going to feel pretty good from a. That's from dangerous a for an economist to put on a strategist hat, yeah. <laughs> Watch out. Just give me some money. <laughs> I know. This is dangerous. We've got to got to rein you in here. Yeah. Um, so um, let's see. Anything else that we're kind of missing here that's important to kind of go over? Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. Do you want to is it worth talking about that we changed the U.S. call or was that such a, a done deal <laughs> on this? At least the way we've been talking about it for a while. Yeah, it's I mean, it's a it's a good thing that we're finding ourselves with less of a gap. 
Um, so I think that's a, a, gap a good thing. I think a gap between, between our bot, the US team was. top down view and the bottom up yeah, yeah. forecast. So we did, it, we'll, we'll say we did take out the US recession in the fourth quarter. We added, um, I mean, it's worth, I mean, there are people out there and there are trading algorithms. People use these forecast revision indices we put out. That's going to get a nice pop, right? I think two percentage points in the second half annualized for the US. So, uh, you know, the global could be moving up there. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely a shift, and we we kind of can um, map that in terms of some of the things we do with the FRI. So that's worth uh, worth uh, thinking about. Yeah. But um, I, you know, I guess the interesting thing from my perspective now is I, I think it's relatively easy to read the Fed's reaction function here, and I do think something's got to change in a more much more hawkish way to get them to tighten in September. Where they are six months from now is another issue, but you really I mean, let you just—I I know you want to pivot, but let me just ask you on the Fed because we do have Jackson Hole coming up, and I'm wondering. Let's assume we get our CPI report right, which is going to be a soft one, and you're going to have—I mean, Goldilocks is going to go crazy if you get that. What do, does Powell either embrace that and kind of? I mean, certainly, as you said, they're not going to be cutting, but does he embrace the idea? of potential kind of supply side delivery here that, you know, and they can talk about next year or whatever, or does he kind of have to react to the market that's going to really, as I said, catch, catch fire here uh, and kind of push back against what would be financial easing and uh, from financial conditions. Uh, yeah. I mean, especially, quiet. I mean, we've got a, we've got a very tight labor market. They, they do want to see the labor market cool. They have, wage inflation, which is remaining elevated. The idea that you're going to have that absorbed in margins or offset by productivity growth is still a, it's an aspiration. It's a hope. It's nothing that you can say is happening. And we have a long way to go, I think. I think he's going to pick up that side of the conversation. And it's a conversation, certainly that that we and, and I was pushing late last year. Brainerd picked that up in a speech before she left, started talking margins. That was the first time I saw someone really grappling with that idea. And then it picked, you see it in a few speeches every now and then of various bakers around the world, right? The idea that margin compression can kind of short circuit the link between wages and price inflation. I, I would wonder if you get this kind of modest CPI print, despite high wage inflation and in a world where productivity is picking up, I mean, that's just like a natural nexus of events to talk about the profit cycle and profit margins. And it'd be, I don't know, maybe he would, he would express some views on that. Well, I don't have any problem with Powell talking about progress. I think right. the idea that he's going to start becoming a, well, he's uh, not going to lay. He's not going to lay policy out, right? He, he never does that. I think. I think what the Fed has to do now is talk about caution. Talk yeah. about it's far too early to, to declare victory here. This is the early stages. There's, I think, some good news to highlight. But the Fed's going to maintain a hawkish bias, and it's going to be still looking at this meeting to meeting, and it's by no means yeah, willing yeah. to, I mean, to that, declare victory. That's, that's, that's yeah, that's what no you do in the margin. Of it. I don't think a central banker ever declares victory. <laughs> well. I think central bankers do tell you they're more or less done at some point. Uh, but, um, you know, I think at this point, he's basically going to be uh, more focused on, hey, you know, we we think there's a chance we can get this right. But there's a lot of things we still have to worry about. I think it's going to be more of that. And then around the edges, I don't have any 
problem with him starting to talk about the case as he did, by the way, at the last press conference, I think he was a bit more in that, in that mode. And I think you're going to basically continue that, that, that uh, tone into the uh, Jackson hole. The question I think is what's going to be interesting is does he want to take a more uh, academic angle at this? Does he want to lay groundwork for how the fed is looking at where the economy is right now? Does he want to talk about monetary transmission in a more, uh, significant way. Does he want to talk about the inflation process? That'll be interesting. He has intended to do Pagoovian that. At Jackson recessions. What? Pagoovian recessions. <laughs> That's what he wants. So to anyway, um, I think we'll probably end it there. Uh, and uh, lots of stuff to keep talking about here. Uh, so let's uh, hope we can continue this conversation next week on JP Morgan TV.